1: We're back with more podcasts, and Paul is still out, actually. You're, but you're not in Alaska now. Where are you now?
0: I am actually in Washington, so I've come back to visit okay. family. And okay, yeah, it's been yeah. a week, uh, just over a week, in Alaska. And it's amazing to have really good quality internet. It sounds petty, <laughs> but it's really great. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I'm not too surprised. I'm not too surprised. It is amazing. I mean,
1: there's been communities that have talked about they should make it a utility. It kind of should be a utility. We all use it so
0: much. It's amazing I don't know how you, you until listening, you don't obviously. Have it. <laughs> you know? Exactly.
1: Well, all of you listening are listening to this thanks to the internet. And, yeah. and, and think about this minute if you had no access at all, what, how different your day would be. I yeah. mean, I've been, yeah. honestly, I'm off on a tangent now, but I've actually been at Edit Jobs where the internet went down, and we went home for the day. It's an edit job. You could still sit <laughs> You're there and edit. you kidding me. But, it, but people were like, yeah, I mean, you know, the internet's down. I don't know that we'll get it back at all today. So, I mean,
0: you know, if you <laughs> want to go all home. it's are glassy-eyed like, and yeah. not sure and, what to do. I'm sitting here
1: thinking, you know, you realize that with the exception <laughs> of sending something to a client, we could do our whole job without internet. But it was like, yeah, I don't know,
0: man. I mean, this day is kind of shot. I just, uh, you know? <laughs> I know. So anyway. It's so funny, you know, because then we Uber to our Turo to get the car, and then you're yeah. good. Oh, and absolutely. Pull up yeah, yeah, the maps sure. on your phone. Everything's with your phone. It's great. It's, it's still astounding to me, it's and insane. it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, yeah, Well, we've got a really cool podcast coming up. We have lots
1: of news to talk about. I feel like in the last 24 hours, there's been lots of car-related news. We've talked a lot of that. Yeah. We have two really cool car debates. We've got Carl writing to us from uh, Long Island and also Andy writing to us from San Francisco. So we're covering both coasts this evening and many, many, many Facebook questions, uh, Instagram questions, questions from all over the map. But before yeah, that, cool. we've got kind, of a, uh, I've got kind of an audience uh, PSA. I've got kind of a, you are our listening audience, uh, help us help you kind of uh, PSA. So Yes.
0: No, I'm glad you're covering this. And you and I talked about it just before the podcast started mm-hmm. here. And I'm glad you're covering this. And, and it's helpful for the audience to know our, our headspace, too, about questions. For sure. That I mean, kind of thing. The, the, the thing that, that you guys probably know, and I do want to reiterate
1: it, there is a, a huge volume of correspondence that we try to stay on top of with the email address, which is everydaydrivertv at Gmail, or you can contact us through the website. We read both of those. A couple of you have actually yeah, right. sent places, sent emails both places. We read them both. They, we know we know we got them. Uh, Facebook, we're reading all this stuff. We read all of the reviews you guys leave in various places because, I mean, I consider them educational. So all of that to say, there's been a piece, some pieces of correspondence that have come through recently that have – alerted me to a possible pattern, and I'm hoping we can help the pattern. Right, right. No, this is good. One of them is there was a question about or a comment sent to us about how we pick questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. the, the question was, do we only pick questions from people we know? Uh, no, we pick questions from everybody. Uh, If you post a question on social media, we just did that 300th podcast, and it had questions from all over the place. If you post on social media, we are reading all of those questions. And honestly, Paul and I, like we do with the car debates, we don't talk in advance
0: about which questions are you liking. We just arbitrarily go, oh, that one's funny, and we pick it. It keeps things fun. Let's put it that way. It keeps it very interesting and fun. And then Todd says, wow, you're going to tackle that question, are you? (laughs) <laughs> absolutely that happens all the time where i'm like i'm not touching that and then paul's like you know what question i want to do
1: like really that happens in every single podcast exactly but honestly nine times out of ten i don't even notice who the avatar is until i read the question again and go who was this from oh that's right there have been some avatars out there some of you know who you are well we've called you out because you've had lots of great questions some of you and let me put this in perspective we've met maybe 30 of you total Sure. We've met sure. few enough of you. We could probably put you all in the same room and have a really long dinner table. <laughs> um, the number of people listening to this podcast fills a small city, okay, which is amazing. Thank I you. Agree. Thank I you. agree. Uh, it's It's shocking. But the truth is we don't know most of you. We don't know most of you that are commenting. We love that you're commenting. We love to answer these comments. When we recognize your avatar, we call you out as, hey, our friend so-and-so. The truth is a lot of you we've never met and we may never meet, and that's a bummer, but... If you're asking a question and you think, well, they only answer questions from so-and-so, it's completely luck of the draw. And I would say keep asking questions. If you've asked the same question multiple times and we haven't answered it, there's probably a reason why. Maybe we don't want to touch it. Maybe we want to talk on that topic. Maybe we don't know.
0: We just have no idea how to speak on that. Sure. And I will add to that the, the hot potato kinds of questions. And you guys have heard us before saying, you know, those kind of, political or those kinds of discussions because we do want it to be an escape not only for you but for todd and i this is our escape too yeah yeah yeah. and we're looking at at as you know let's just come in and talk about cars and you know what's on your mind about this current news event which we'll get to here shortly but also things Mm -hmm. just i'm thinking about these tires or whatever and i'm daydreaming and i'm shopping and i'm you know, or relevant news. Hey, an accident happened. Uh, you know, with some mm-hmm. car, or who knows. You know what I mean. So we we just try yeah, to avoid yeah. the the hot potato stuff, just to make it easy on the listening ears. I, I suppose so you don't. Your brain isn't yeah. wrenched back to reality quite so soon. <laughs> Before we finish, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's, pl- there's plenty of that around for sure. So all of this to say, if you're a person
1: that posts lots of questions, thank you. We, we see you. We appreciate it. We will keep answering some questions from you as they strike us. Thanks for some of your really cool questions. If you are just joining us, you've never posted a question or we haven't picked your question yet, take heart. Because the day yes, is coming. Yes. You will post a question one day for whatever reason, and we're just going to be like, that question's awesome. And I can't tell you what the recipe is because we don't know either. We just go, oh, that's a fun question.
0: And it just, and so yeah, as it strikes us, like you said, we mm-hmm. just pick it and then, oh, who wrote that? I Okay, I've never seen that before, and, and it's yeah, very totally. random. It really is.
1: So so thank you to all of you on both sides of that equation. Thank you for those of you that have asked that question. The other other thing is – and this one – I, it makes my brain hurt. I'm trying to figure out how to get around this problem. Okay. Um, some of you are, have sent a few requests or comments about your own car. Yes, right. But you, but you're doing it with kind of sleight of hand. It's, it's an email, and, and I'm going to make it up here, but it's an email that says, well, my car has this many horsepower, and it only costs me this much, and you guys never talk about it. But your email never says what the car is. It's a mystery. Now, first off, we, we, we've done 300 podcasts. Are you sure we've never mentioned your car? But even if we haven't, even if we haven't, I'm looking at that email going, I don't know what to do with that. I am I,
0: terrible at this game. I can't guess what car you have. If well, you as would like fun to as it us- is, you know, it's it's in the interest of time. <laughs> as fun as you know what? You know, it for sure, it is fun to solve sure. the riddle and put your brain to the test and you think, "Okay, how good yeah. am I? You know, can I really recognize yeah. the signature lighting element at night from 50 yards? How good yeah. am I?" You know, it's fun to test yourself. Yeah. But it's just a lot in the interest of time and getting to Well, the point. yeah, we're we're dealing with so much volume that honestly, for those of you that have written stuff like this, I
1: can't write you back and be like, tell me more. What car is this? Let's play 20 questions. I can't <laughs> right. do that. I right. can't. I, I, my brain hurts already. So if you have a question about your car, if you want to know our thoughts on your car, if you would like a car mentioned that we don't mention for whatever reason, you're welcome to write in. We will read that email. We will respond as best we can. But I know this sounds ridiculous. Let us know what car we're talking about. Yeah, tell us no, the car. I, I Because the mystery is is making my brain... Uh, kind of grind to a halt. <laughs> so uh, thank you guys for all of the writing that you do. And and, that is, and honestly, all of these PSAs are just because we're dealing with so much volume, thanks to you guys, yeah, that we want agreed. to try to get a handle agreed. on it and help you guys obviously not waste your own time when you're reaching out too. So
0: there's all of that. Yeah, agreed. Well, thank you guys again from me as well. And we've got to get to the news items Because there is so much, so we're just going to jump right in with one of our favorite shows, and that is Top Gear UK, who has announced Mm -hmm. one of the main hosts. Well, there's only three, right? So Matt LeBlanc, LeBlanc, he is leaving Top Gear UK, and he has said, from what I've been reading, he's grateful, he loves it, but the time commitment, and I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if I'm kind of reading into this, some projects, and you probably are more aware of this than I am as far as the side projects, whether it's stage and theater productions, Broadway stuff, other kinds of things that he wants to do. And he thinks, all right, well, I've got to travel for the next episode of Top Gear and mm-hmm, I can't mm-hmm. do this. Whereas I think many actors are used to being able to do side projects and they stack up their schedules. I mean, we both sure, know this, they sure. just stack up the the scripts. They They Stack up the schedules for all year long and i'm kind of wondering if that but of course family and friends Being close to them and it's not like matt really yeah, needs yeah. the money. Let's be honest But you True. know no, I can those, definitely those residuals
1: for friends will do him just fine for the rest of his <laughs> life good. Everybody
0: that was on the cast of friends can decide to do nothing right. until the day they die and they will be okay nobody's worried least of all us, but honestly, I am sad to see him go because for me I think he has really revitalized the show, strangely, being an American Mm. on the British television show, and he's just revitalized it and brought a lot of energy and his self-deprecating humor and funny sleight-of-hand stuff, and I've really enjoyed it, to be honest, and I think he's really brought it back for me, and I'm sad to see him go. I've got actually a couple people that I think could be good I want to talk about, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, too.
1: Wow. Interesting. Well, one of the things I read is that he's talking about after the next season. So I'm sure they're in the midst of filming the next season right now. And so he's announcing this in the midst of current production, which so, means we will still see another <laughs> season of probably six or eight episodes right, with the long goodbye. It. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly, and also this this allows BBC to start looking. That is my big question here: is who do you put on that shortlist? Because obviously they've got to not only work with the two that exist, but you've just got to you've got to get them up to speed rapidly. Sure, what are they going to do? Are yeah. they going to keep both of the other guys when they do this? I hope they do. I like Chris. I like Rory. Oh, I agree. But that, it'll be very interesting to see how they surmount this problem. Because as they learned with Chris Evans, a guy that let's be honest has just talked and hosted for a living his entire life he couldn't figure out the host and drive a car thing it's not something anybody can do and back to your comment the thing i think has been really surprising for matt is that i think some of the stuff that they create that honestly i would never create for the show which is just kind of a goofy we're gonna have a host follow this ridiculous through line and believe it that right, kind but of he stuff pulls
0: it off sometimes and you're just zing exactly and you think, That was awesome and hilarious and well-timed. It's that comedic timing that he's got that not everybody has, and it's hilarious. I love it. Well, his years of acting and playing off those roles, I'm going to go there, all the way back
1: to Joey. Joey is that person. He's this pig-headed guy that gets some crazy idea in his head, and he will not let it die no matter how absurd it gets. Matt LeBlanc has history in that. He is a trained actor. He can pull those moments off better than pretty much anybody, even the original three guys. You could almost always see the seams when they were trying to do it. Matt LeBlanc seems to kind of make it effortless. So it'll be really interesting to see how do they do this going forward? What does it do to the show? And that also means, I don't know if you thought about this, that means this next season is going to coincide as an ending, similar to when Grand Tour ends. So now we'll have both of these shows that kind of come to a stop in their current form, uh-huh. and, we, and we as the audience go, yeah. "What's next?" So who, who I have no ideas for who to replace with. Who do you think?
0: Well, there's two guys. I've thought about this question all day, thinking, "All right." No. Who, who could I see? And the first is Ant Anstead. He is currently the co-host of Wheeler Dealers yeah. with Mike yeah. Brewer. And I like watching the guy. I really like him. Hmm. He's hmm. just straightforward. And he gives you just solid answers. And he's just, here it is. I'm telling you why. And he, huh. just, he comes across huh. as skilled okay. and knowledgeable. And I think, all right, Chris is the hot shoe. We know that. Rory is yeah. very philosophical. Yeah. And I love his take on various films that he does. But what about a mechanic and somebody who knows the inner Hmm. workings of Hmm. cars so well, he can then relate to, man, would this be expensive to fix? And you know why it feels that way is because the engineering. And I can tell (laughs) you, the planetary gear is doing the thing in the back with the, you know what I mean? And man, do I wish for the manual, but this dual clutch gearbox is whatever. And you know, bring that mechanic's take. But he's still just on point for everything about the car besides the mechanic mechanic Hmm. aspect. But then as a counterpoint to that, how about Ralph Giles, the current head of design for FCA? He has risen in the design ranks. He's well known in the design community and brings somebody more from the design field. I think he's got the personality. I mean, he'd, you know, turn it on and let people Hmm. know his personality and reveal more about himself and kind of the inner workings of what goes on in his head. But he's such a car guy. He's a racer. He drives Vipers. The guy's a hot shoe. He's willing to do the crazy burnouts and willing to go there and kind of push the boundaries on things, which could be the spice the show needs. And he can talk design (laughs) all day long. I think it could be great, honestly. So those two guys are kind of where my head's at right now. But, of course, that could change. And maybe some people have other cool ideas, too. But. I'm kind of liking that. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Okay.
1: That's, that's good. I, I have no good ideas for how they, how they tackle this, but I'm sure a room full of development people will all make their contribution over coffee, and some of them will be terrible, but they will make sure they get their comment in to prove
0: their existence in that room. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I cynical? Uh, anyway, so that, that will definitely happen. No. Well, speaking of FCA, there's rumors, of course, with the Viper making a return with the V8 heart. Yes. And it just seems yes. like with the Hellcat engine, they just have to turn around and decide how about that car as a candidate. That's what's next, and why not the Viper? Honestly, I I kind of wish it would become a little smaller and a little bit more uh, refined in a in a track way. Although that's the counterpoint to that is it's already the track holder and beastly. It's a monster, for sure. It's already amazing on the track, so it doesn't really need it. But you know what I mean? Less weight, a little bit more snug around you, and put that Hellcat motor in that. Instead of pointing at the Jeep or a Dodge or a Ram truck or something like that, thinking, you know what this needs is, you know, let's point it at the Viper. It's point that engine in the Viper's direction and keep that line going. I just feel like if... Any company needs that halo car to continue. It's probably FCA because of their product lineup. Yeah, they've got the Charger and the Challenger, but they're not really considered sports cars, I don't think. I mean, they're bad. Yeah, I mean, this
1: is but this is their halo their halo car, and I'm amazed. You know? It's one of those cars. I'm amazed that they've continued as long as they have. And you talk about it getting smaller. I have to say, my comment here, which is technically the last gen Viper, was a little bit shorter than the current. 9/11. In spite <laughs> you of love the way. bringing it looks that up. Those, you love that but because, because honestly, I bring it up twofold. Not only because I have to to make fun of you, the Porsche guy, but also because, honestly. Uh, unless you see that stat on paper, I don't care who you are as a car guy, you would never see those two cars anywhere other than side by side and think, oh, well, the Viper's smaller. You would never oh, right, think that. Right. The styling of those two cars suggests the Viper is a behemoth and the 911 is little. And it is amazing to me that the actual stat is the reverse. <laughs> but I say, look, the Viper, I the Viper shouldn't exist because it has a V10. It had a V10 because they had a powerful V10 truck engine when they first made the Viper. Okay, so which was the part Viper, of its charm and on and on. Uh, agreed, right? agreed. But I guess my but but my counterpoint here is, if the Hellcat motor had existed when they'd started making the Viper, I I submit to you they would have put that motor in it from the beginning. I agree. So going from a V10 to a V8, who cares? I think the Viper should come back. It would be really cool if they can. If they can find an ongoing market segment for it, because I think that 's the struggle mm-hmm. I, who is who is that buyer? you know Corvette has struggled forever to get people in the Corvette that are not the the stereotypical uh, old guy driving slow corvette owner that 's been their struggle, and I think they are trying to surmount that. I think the mid engine car will, will do that further let 's hope that it 's not just a rumor with a bunch of camo on it, but I think that'll help further <laughs> yeah, but it would be interesting to see it would be interesting to see. FCA kind of modernize the Viper. I don't want to revolutionize it, but kind of modernize it a bit. But why not? Why not take that storied name,
0: that approximate shape, but revolutionize it? No, why not? I, I agree. What's stopping them? I suppose justifying it as a project and car manufacturers are not charity organizations. They have to justify it yeah, from a yeah. business standpoint. Are we going to sell these or is it the car community going to stand back and applaud and never buy them? So they mm-hmm. have to yeah. still yeah. talk with the finance department, I suppose, and justify yeah, of themselves. Course. But Accountants will be involved, who, yes. Who wins? We're not sure. Mm-hmm. But speaking mm-hmm. of V10, you see Dustin Anthony, he's the Monavetti automotive guy who has stuffed yes. a V10. So the joke about that guy at the gas station that said, is that a V10 yes. under there? If you had one of these, these Lotus Elise's, go to Monavetti Automotive the Facebook page there and you can see that he stuffed a BMW M5, the E60 V10 into your car. I mean, not literally, but what I love yeah. is yeah. you love Pagani's and it it brings back the quad exhaust like a Pagani on the Elise. It's Almost like this car is built with you in mind if a supercar were to be built. Strangely, I just thought... Interesting. Oh my gosh, it's got the Pagani thing and everything and anyway interesting I liked it. because I don't like it I, I you and don't I have, I have to say really?
1: I have to say we've gotten more emails shares people sharing links on this one article than anything in the history of the show and thank Honestly. you for that
0: by the way I love yes thank you for sharing you're thinking it's it, like <laughs> you know what I'm thinking of Paul when I see some you know a Prius or something like that as my entire yeah, family yeah. does they joke with me constantly and then for you you know an Elise or I'm you know it's like I thought of Todd about I love that. I mean,
1: what what makes the Elise brilliant is tiny car with lightweight handling. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I know, I know this is a cliche to say, but there really is no other uh, metaphor for it. It is a street legal go kart in feel. Okay. It, I know that's a tired cliche, but it really is as, about as close as you can get to that yeah. and buy a street-legal car. I'll let this you use it. V, it's all right. I'll this this V10 thing will no longer feel that way. It won't. And it, it, it honestly is a garage-built version of the Hennessy Venom, right. which nobody is de- denying was crazy, ridiculously fast and cool-looking with a long wheelbase. But the the wheelbase is like you now 110 inches, which is long <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. it's it's become it's become in many ways the opposite of what the Elise was and so I find myself going why because if you're gonna get a big heavy high power mid-engine car I'm just gonna take my money and buy one already sorted to be that because it's sure. isn't gonna drive like an
0: Elise anymore Sure. I guess I'm thinking about all the car builders. And what's so interesting is how few, if, well, there's very few left that are not named after the people, the founders who invented it. And so it comes back to me for in that vein of, all right, they started, they had something great, and I'm going to expound on it or, you know, whatever. And Mm. I'm going to name it something different, although Dustin has not named it after himself, it looks like. I I don't know where the Monavetti. Yeah. Name comes from particularly, but you know you think of DeLorean and you know all the names, Dodge, yeah, yeah. everything, Chevrolet. They're all names of people, and sure, sure. it's that you know inventor spirit that I love, and it's the fact that even though John Hennessy could be considered, all right, you're not a big time car manufacturer, you're a small tuner. Dustin is, is even less than that. He's just guy in his garage doing this. Holy cow, True. man. No. You made an no, the, incredible the, thing here. I'm
1: I, I, should, I should state the, the counterpoint. I agree. I should state the counterpoint, which is it's not that I'm not impressed. I'm kind of boggled, to be honest. I mean, I that didn't you get had that. this idea. I figured you were. I, I didn't. Yeah, that's not what. Yeah, I'm the, saying, the, the the fact the fact that you've had this idea. He's taken a Porsche <laughs> Porsche transmission and turned it upside down and figured out how to make that work. I mean, I'm just sitting here scratching my head that you had the <laughs> idea and you have made it live. <laughs> and here that, it is in that, front of my house.
0: That holy cow
1: deserves massive kudos. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Hey, if you want me to drive it, I'll drive it. And I'll tell you what it drives like compared to an Elise. I, that would be crazy fun. It obviously doesn't speak to the small light car thing that I love. But, man, kudos for doing it because I can't believe you pulled that off. I'm frightened. Here's the thing. I'm <laughs> frightened by the simple LS motor swap into an 86 chassis. Right. And you went, yeah, that's child's play. You know what I'm going to do? Take off the back half of this car and start over. <laughs>
0: Fun building sandcastles in your little sandbox over there. You know what I'm going to do is drop seriously. an E60 V10 in that. Holy, seriously! Cow. I just I <laughs> and
1: and maybe I missed an opportunity. Maybe maybe uh, unbeknownst to me, the guy that walked up to me in a gas station and said, "Is that a V10?" Maybe it was Dustin. Maybe he he knew already. I'm wondering actually. Oh, maybe, I, maybe he went home to his garage and got Maybe he tells the story to his friends about, I, I saw this idiot today on a real Lotus Elise and asked him if I had a V10, knowing you can do it. And he was like, no, of course not, because he's an idiot. Maybe he's <laughs> laughing at me. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Could possibly be. Uh, well, great questions, guys. We will get to those uh, towards the end of the podcast. And we've got a debate from Carl N. He's out on mm-hmm. Long Island, New York, writing to us asking for a jack-of-all-trades kind of car, but he gives us a little more, bit more to the story here and says, I run a surf shop on Long Island, New York, and I've been told mm-hmm. many times to just get a van or a truck and kind of be done with it. I mean, you've got a shop, a bike shop, a surf shop, yeah. some yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just get a van, transport your gear, you know, that kind of thing. But he wants a vehicle that has the space for his boards and isn't terrible to drive. So that means vans and Giant SUVs getting harder. are out.
1: It's getting harder, yeah. So he also yeah. says
0: all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. Okay, so light beach driving, which we could argue that most cars will do okay. So maybe all-wheel drive mm-hmm, isn't mm-hmm. completely necessary. And I say that because the choice that I came up for you isn't. But okay. we'll get there. He has some a uh, couple other requirements here. Sub 6.5 seconds, 0 to 60 time. I'm guessing he needs to get boards to his customers quickly uh, something like that we have
1: got to go surfing and we've got to go right now well when that's the what waves that are
0: good they're good
1: so mm-hmm. you got to be there the, the, the time is now man what, what what i read there though is you want to have a car that feels like it's got a little bit of speed a little bit of power and that's yeah. a struggle for suvs yeah. as
0: well yeah keep going what else budget 10 to twelve thousand dollars, which yep. you think might not be possible but i'm excited to share my choices with you and good, good, good. what else oh he had uh, previous uh, forester so 2004 forester xt5 speed with too much lift with grabber tires okay uh mm-hmm. 01 chevy tracker a 98 isuzu amigo wow <laughs> he had the dodge magnum rt from 2006 and he also had a nissan hardbody from 1991 Wow. Okay, very diverse. I like it. Interesting group. Yeah, There's a through line in there a little bit just with the CUV kind of size, that size of car that you're dealing with. Yeah. And he's looking for an Infiniti FX45 or the first-generation Acura RDX Turbo, but he's open to other ideas, which is where we come in. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what you're thinking. (laughs) Well,
1: those are are cool ideas that he's had. I, I thought it was fascinating that he's already had the Magnum. Because I thought of the Magnum right? while reading the email. Yeah. And I got down here and went, you've had the Magnum. Which brings me back to a question, Carl, which is, why do you no longer have the Magnum? I mean, not that you're this is an interactive podcast, but we're working that way, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> yes. The, uh, yes. Wh- why do you no longer have the Magnum? What was the reason you got rid of that? Because I think that's a good, viable option here. Now, maybe it's an all-wheel drive thing. I don't know. But I did wonder about that. I came up with three and a wild card. Okay. And I was surprised that I could shop all three of these for the for the money, and I'm going to ask this question as well, Carl. And I'm not taking away either of your choices, the FX45 or the first gen Acura RDX Turbo. I think they would both do it, but I'm honestly, can you fit surfboards in the back of those two, or are you going with a roof rack? Because a part of me's wondering if my we're question. talking about yes. a world of a roof rack here. I think you might be, and if you go with a roof rack, you get a lot more options. Obviously, I I know the thing that happens all the time in LA with the Land cruisers and that, that kind of thing. You roll down the back window, you shove your board in the back. That happens a lot. I've seen it a ton. Uh, we have our friend Alec that has, a, that has a, a magnum that he put his board in the back. I mean, yeah, there's lots right. of things like that that go on. I get it. But I'm wondering about the roof rack. Are we, are we anti-roof rack for a surfboard? Because
0: <laughs> that is a long item. That might help us. Um, should I just dive in here? I think you should. I've got two, actually, but I'm, I'm excited. I want to hear yours, though. I want to hear wild card.
1: Yeah, well, I came with a random wild card that is entirely reliant on a roof rack, but I'll get there. But, it, but it does check the rest of the boxes being fun. I, I did look up and realize, you know what? You can find a lot of these at a lot of them. I found multiple pages. The Cadillac CTS wagon, oh, good, is absolutely good. in this budget, like it's that. absolutely there in this budget. Yeah. and I found a ton of them. And the big thing I found is, of course, you can't get the CTS V, which is wonderful, but you can't get the CTS V. I found a ton of them, all wheel drive, in this budget. Now they're they're on either side of 100,000 miles. I found them everywhere from about 70,000 to about 120,000, depending. But they are in this budget. You can find them all-wheel drive. Uh, I think that's a viable option. To me, it feels like the alternative, the nicer alternative, to the Magnum you had. I don't know about the length of your board versus that car, but I would think it would probably go inside. Mm. Why not? Mm. But here's the, here's the one thing I will say about the CTS wagon when you're shopping at this price. A lot of them are the ones with the world's worst wheels on them. This car is massively affected by wheels. Sure. So if you find one that you like but you just think it looks a little bland, I submit that the difference is gonna be wheels on the CTS wagon to just make it cool. So there's a ton of them out there for that. Fair enough. I like that one. I did look at what I considered the usual suspects and found options. You can find Mercedes E class wagons for this money. (laughs) And you can find a lot of of BMW five series wagons at this money you I like need to drive wagon all land. three of those for sure I like that I I, I I think that's the place to live I, i'm in I'm in almost in wagon land for my uh my wild card but i I just went straight
0: for those three wagons because I saw that magnum <laughs> okay. and I went let's follow that rabbit trail where'd you go I'll tell you how I got here and it started Carl I'm speaking to you it, it's my friend's wife is really into surfing. And before she would go to work at Mattel Hot Wheels, yes, she had that job. She was actually in the Mm -hmm. packaging side of things. She was in packaging for a while there, and she would go do the Pacific Coast Highway surf thing at 7 in the morning or whatever before she'd go to work. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, all right, she's a surfer. She's not a longboarder necessarily, but she got an Audi Q5 and stuffed it in there, and put the yeah. seats down, and she made it work. Now it was just her in the car, but for sure, sure. surfing, she'd be fine because she'd go to you know go surfing in the morning, grab a, yeah. a latte yeah. or a coffee, and then head to work. And then when she was home, you know, obviously take the surfboard out of the car, and then they've got their evenings, afternoons free, whatever. So I thought, yeah. okay, Q five, I like that, and you can find them for this price surprisingly in the twenty ten hmm. year hmm. range. Okay. You can still okay. get them with that 2-liter turbo engine, but most of the model years you're going to find are the 3.2-liter V6 in that era. However, they're going to have high mileage, which makes me think either good or bad. One, they've got high mileage, but on the other hand, they've had a lot of the service done that they need mm. to get done at that mileage. So, okay, pick one up for cheap and keep driving it. So, sure, Q5... Sure. But I will say the car that I want you to have, that van comment of yours struck me. I thought, okay, okay. what is a small panel van? And no, the PT Cruiser and the Chevy HHR do not count. I'm not going okay. there. But what could be the small, like a little bread van, little surf car kind of thing? All right. And I came right. up with the 2012 Mini Cooper Clubman S with 39,300 miles for just Not under bad. 12 grand it's the stretched mini you you have mm-hmm. a stretch sport in your life you ride longboards and surfboards yeah, yeah. like so it. this like 2012 it. clubman s and it's in red and i thought okay for the roof rack instead of putting the boards flat like they're you know flat mm-hmm. to flat mm-hmm. on the roof why don't you stand them on end this might be a custom rack but okay you've okay. got this is your investment in your business and so the right, boards all right. are all standing on end at different lengths, and so people, when you drive by, you're seeing the top of the surfboard essentially from the side. You know, it's fun standing fun. up on end, yeah, and that's, that's kind of your where you're going. Yeah. Uh, that's your business. You know, those are boards yeah, that you're either yeah. delivering or customer boards. They're not permanently mounted. That's not what I'm saying. But I know what you mean. You've got this, you, you know, like a dish rack on top of your car, kind of only for surfboards. I guess.
1: Yeah, I get it. And then it's, it's like the way pickups carry uh, brand new windshield glass, but yes, you've got it on your roof you. and it's surfboards. I love it. That's thank great. You. Yeah. And
0: then with any extra money that you might have left over, <laughs> get the back sure. window, that back long window of the mini wrapped either with an ad advertising your business or just wrap it the same body color that is the car. Or of course you could wrap the whole car and make that cover up the glass with the wrap. So it kind of takes on that panel van look. And that's where you advertise right there your your surf shop name. You've got the boards on top, and it's like, wow! You you drive this cool little car, and you have these huge surfboards. That's awesome. How'd you do it? And there's the car, and it's kind of eye catching. And twelve grand. I'm just saying, Mini Cooper Clubman S. So it's the stretched wheelbase. Amazing Mini Cooper. And but you'd have to do like I said, a few things: get the rack, get the wrap. Trick it out a little bit, but yeah. I think it could work Carl, you. you
1: have gotten not only a car recommendation from Paul, but also marketing ideas. <laughs> this is a nice little new little twist. And I have to say, after that, my wild card isn't quite so wild, because my wild card is the Mini Cooper Countryman.
0: Oh, you're kidding me. I also
1: like that. It works. Because there's a lot of them for that. All-wheel drive. It's essentially a Mini Cooper, I mean, a kind of a stretched Mini with a lift kit, but not much. It's still fun to drive. It still has the Mini DNA in it, if you will. But there's your uh, all-wheel so drive I
0: mean, and the beachiness it, aspect of it. That's right exactly. there. Exactly.
1: It's it's the Mini done for as a beach car, yeah. as a quote-unquote SUV. It's not very big. I still think you're into roof rack. But that was my wild card because I was surprised to find quite a few of those in this budget, which made me think, huh, the Mini does the, the fun part of this, mm-hmm. and I think it yep. might do the rest of it as well. Well done on your on your Clubman, too, because I think that's in the similar vein. I don't feel nearly as in the weeds now. That's excellent. Well, it's so, just uh, not all-wheel
0: uh, drive, and it doesn't have the beach kind of thing that the yeah. countryman does. So yeah, somewhere in there could be really interesting. But
1: yeah, like you said, there's so, choices. There's all kinds of Yeah, stuff. Car- Carl, we've accidentally said get a Mini. I, I didn't <laughs> expect that was where this was going <laughs> to go. But let us know where you wind up with for surfboards on Long Island. I love that. Thank you for writing in. And as we always say, if you've got your own car to bait, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. If you have written to Everyday Driver at Gmail... I don't know who that is. I don't know where that email goes. (laughs) Everyday Driver, TV at Gmail is the direct email address or through our website. We would love to get your car debate as well. Guys, we will take a quick break. We'll be right
0: back. I'm not going very far. It's too uncomfortable. I'm in a hurry. Sometimes I just forget. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. You're not only putting yourself at risk of injury or death, It could also cost you lots of money. Cops are writing tickets, so why take the risk? Do the smart thing and start buckling up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. You know what's a must-have in your car care arsenal? It's a Brush Hero. This is the water-powered detailing tool that's perfect for tough areas like wheel spokes and engines, tailpipes and grills, and even bicycles. Interestingly, Brush Hero requires no batteries or electricity. It scrubs slowly with an impressive amount of
1: torque. This was created by Car Guys. It's designed to be tough, quick, and effective without causing damage. It's easy to use. Just hook it up to a standard garden hose. Flip the handy on-off switch and start cleaning. Brush Hero is a great gift idea, and they've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. And now
0: our listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with code DRIVER. You can also find the Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores. But don't forget to use the code DRIVER at BrushHero.com for 10% off, and all orders over $40 ship free.
1: If you like sports podcasts, then take a gamble on RJ Bell's Dream Preview each week on Podcast One Sportsnet. Get everything
0: you need on the biggest games each week from pregame.com's Wise Guy Roundtable with host R.J. Bell and some of the biggest names from the world of sports betting. So check out R.J. Bell's
1: Dream Preview at Podcast One Sportsnet and Apple Podcasts. Also remember to rate that show
0: and this one. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does that actually mean? You know, the same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True
1: Price from TrueCar. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want including fees, accessories, everything before you even get to the dealership. TrueCar dealers will show you the true price
0: on cars like the one you want all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Well, because TrueCar shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers already know this so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and
1: enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features aren't available in all states. Geico presents Eyewitness Interviews with Inanimate Objects.
0: This is Brian Bruno, live on the scene of a recent windstorm, here to describe the event A Chest of Drawers.
1: There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree
2: branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest.
1: Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be.
0: Andy Kaye from San Francisco is our next car debate. He is yeah. writing to us. Thank you for listening, by the way, Andy. And he's saying, sure. I am a 23-year-old graduate with a degree in music performance, specifically opera singer. We've never debated cars for opera singers before, which I thought was pretty interesting and very different.
1: Lawyers and real estate agents and people with tubas, but no opera singer. So it's
0: a first time for everything, (laughs) and here we are. He's kind of saying, you know, what's the best first adult car, really, now that I'm Mm -hmm. graduated with his degree? But he is saying under his breath, what's the best car for opera singers with a budget of 25 (laughs) grand, Paul Limiter, $30,000? And he's torn between getting a coupe or a sedan because yeah. whatever car that he gets will be with him for the next five years, and he wants something fun and sporty, but also sensible. Now, he's got an 04 Acura RSX. He said it's on his last cool. legs. This was his first car, and it's on its last yeah. legs. He feels like he's outgrown yeah. it. And now he's at the Toyota 86 or the Lexus IS F2 or IS200T F-Sport thinking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, I'm considering both of these with a short car history of Acura RSX and his mom's 2013 Camry SE. Again, on the sensible yep. side, but not on the sporty and fun side, like a Toyota 86. Definitely not. Definitely not. So how can I- I he I think combine? it's
1: interesting, that he has those two as his. These are my favorites right now: the Toyota 86 yeah, and, yeah. and Lexus IS. Those are not the same car. They may be the same parent <laughs> company, but they are quite a ways away from each other. Uh, except you are in in rear wheel drive world. That's the good thing. But wow, that's a that's a shift. I've got a few here, but I actually should say first off, uh, look, you're 25. Okay, 23. You don't have it. Uh, sorry, sorry. Yes, 23. We're sorry, aging I saw you that too, 25 Andy. budget. Yes, you're you're 23. You don't have a girlfriend, a wife. Doesn't sound like you have kids, dogs, or any of those issues so far. So you know what, man, go get the fun car. Get yeah. the 86. The 86 is so much. Just I, I've got others for you, but just the 86 is such a better choice for you than that Lexus IS right now. The IS would I agree, be great. Baby. I have I have let that influence some other choices I have for you because I think what you're responding to there is it is a grown-up's car, and it's got a nice interior, and it will just run. I see all of that. But go get the 86. And then it, when life changes, you've got the mini back seats. And when life changes again, okay, maybe you keep it. Because I also submit to you, Andy, sensible is a relative term.
2: I mean, I'm not saying
1: be as ridiculous as I am, but I am saying that that define a sensible car. Because a sensible
0: car is just one where you go, that works for me. And that's a broad spectrum. I mean, theoretically, with $30,000, he could go get your Lotus. You know that. And it's got the Targa. and. True. All that there's, kind of
1: there's nothing there's nothing sensible about that choice. <laughs> I mean, I've done it anyway, and I love it. But there's nothing that you can't even see sensible from there. <laughs>
0: he also says, "Here's the twist: something preferably Japanese." So I yes. I thought okay, and then of course I went off into European and German land. But then I did wrench did. myself back at the end. So where I started was this dichotomy in my head. I thought, all right, should I? Recommend the world's most soundproof car, like a Mercedes or a Tesla or something like that? Or <laughs> should I go for a convertible and that way you can let the world hear your pipes and let it fly, man? And you're practicing <laughs> while you're driving and <laughs> echoing off the canyons of a city. And that is funny. You know, funny. driving through San Francisco, let it fly. And I thought, all right, where do I go? So bear with me. I'm working through it still. But I started okay. at a BMW Z4. Now I know it's not Japanese. Okay. All right. Convertible, fun it to drive, get fun, all, all kinds of Z4s available for 30 grand or 25 grand. All right. So I thought, okay, thinking some more. Then I thought, well, wait a minute. Speaking of pipes, 996 911 Carreras are $22,000. A car that sounds as good wow. as you do. Okay. Or all right. You sound I, as good as the I car. Anyway, I'm I, I take what you're saying. going I for the compliment. Yeah. Anyway. I thought, okay, but that's fully enclosed and all right, it is a 911, but it's an older 911. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Then I thought, mm-hmm. what about a 2010 Porsche Boxster S for $30,000 with 26,000 miles? This thing is a you garage a car. It's a manual transmission. It's a convertible. It's still got that nice top. You can, you know, sing quietly to yourself, sing along with the radio or your Funny. practice Funny. music, whatever. Yeah. And you can put the top down and let it fly. And you've got a Porsche at yeah, 23. Yeah, sure. Holy cow, man. This is the time to go do that. <laughs> it's always, honestly,
1: Paul, from your perspective, it's always the time to go do that. It's really is. never a,
0: yeah, it's not time for you to have a Porsche. You're just kind of like, yeah, get a Porsche. That, that'll work. Andy, yeah. I went as far as thinking of your custom vanity license plate to go along oh, with your no. Porsche Boxster S. And here it is. Oh, no. Oh, no. G-R-T-S-N-D-S. Great sounds. From the car, from you. Great sounds. Come on. Uh, check, please. Check, Seriously. please. Can we, can, we, can we wrap this up? Yeah, oh, wow. I mean, come right. on. Uh, people would ask about it like, oh, yeah, your car probably does sound great. And you'd say, no, no, let me show you the last score of the musical that I just sang. Let me rip this for you. Hang on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. <laughs> but then I ended... Because you said something Japanese, I landed at the Fiat 124 Spider Bart found you a 2017 Hmm. car, like 11,000 miles, I think, $27,600. It's right between your two numbers, and it's the one I like. It's a turbocharged engine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think it sounds quite as good as the Boxster S, but hey, the license tag could still work, fun to drive, convertible, have the top up. It's the fun sports car for now in your life, and technically it is Japanese because of True. You know, of the reason. I mean, it's it's a Fiat, lovingly we say Fiat. That's my recommendation for you. I'm thinking, go wild, huh. get the sports car, get something fun because you can afford it. Interesting. You're okay. shocked, aren't well, I you? Think the, the silence is I, deafening. I, You're shocked. You're floored.
1: I. Yeah, I mean, because here's the thing. I, I think you are imagining, uh, maybe may, maybe I'm in the wrong here. You are imagining rock stars. At, I mean, opera singers is much more rock stars, very overt with let me sing for you, than
0: I expected them to be. But maybe I'm completely wrong They can here. sing so, powerfully um, but quietly. They've got the range. I, they can sing very I, softly with power, and they can let it fly. And I get it.
1: I get it. I just I didn't I didn't think about I have the the pipes and I'm going to have the convertible and the world will know. I hadn't thought in those terms. <laughs> I like that you went there. I went totally different places for Andy cuz here's what happened with me, Andy. I tried to think what could what do I know you could get for 25? I, I some of this stuff you could get new for 30, but I figured with 25 you can find used examples of all of these. I was also influenced by the two cars that are your bookends. What's the Toyota 86? Well, it's a small, focused, rear-wheel-drive sports car that looks great, but the interior is eh, okay? On the other end of the spectrum, you have got that IS200. Mm, nice interior, sure. grown-up's car. So, so those are both influencing you somehow. So I thought, all right, I'm going to try to stay in cars that have at least a 2 plus 2 configuration. That's the great thing about the 86. It's just a lot more usable than people think. Mm, so I'm sure. trying to stay 2 plus 2 in the coupe world. I also went away from that as well. I ran around on different uh, countries. I didn't go just Japanese for you, but I wanted to come up with a few. Seeing, again, I, I still think the 86 is better than the IS. Mm, but okay. all right. seeing your Lexus interest, go shop the Lexus RC, Oh, you can okay. get them for your budget. Can you, you really can get nice you're used me. copies for your money? They're out there now, under thirty grand. They're out there. So I mean, it's not going to be the hottest one on the planet, but I am finding a few three fifties out there. No, so way. now you've got you know right around thirty grand. Now you've got you know a p- much more powerful than it would have been in that IS two hundred. You have more of the coupe two plus two shape. If you're if you're interested, that's the Lexus for you, my friend. But if you're going to shop there, you need to cross shop the Infinity. Either G37, that'll be much cheaper, or Q60, that'll be closer to the budget we're talking about. Mm. That is the Infiniti alternative to the Lexus. So you should drive them both. That's, these are my Japanese choices for you. I'm blending a little bit of the 86, not really, but some. It's, it's kind of more that element than the IS would be with the things I think you like about that IS. So drive those cars. I went away from Japanese for a couple of choices that I think you should at least drive. Because the thing that's happened here, Andy, is you haven't really driven much. So I understand you want a Japanese car for reliability. I get that. And, of course, the Lexus would be great for you. But at least drive some other things to have some benchmarks. You've enjoyed that Acura RSX. And those things were pretty fun to drive. You need to go drive a GTI. Good. Even if you don't buy one. You've had a good, well-sorted front-wheel drive. Go drive the benchmark for hot hatches go drive a gti it might be for you it might not be but at least drive it you need to also drive the base current bmw 2 series a 228 or a 230 get it with the zf8 speed get it with a little four-cylinder you can find them for your budget rear-wheel drive that is in many ways the classed up 86 idea it's not as dynamic as the 86 it's not as light as the 86 but it is take an 86 and make it nicer you kind of wind up at that base 2 series sure it's kind of where you are it's not quite as dynamic but it's got better power those are my away from japanese and then i have one more away from japanese but it's close okay Korean cars, my friend, get really good in all of those same ways the Japanese cars are. Yeah. You need do. to go drive a Genesis Coupe. Drive the Genesis Coupe. Good, good. You can, you can get your, they don't make them anymore, but you know what? You can get your choice of those for your budget. I've given you kind of homework here, my friend. So Andy, let us know what you think here. But I think you need, I, I want you in a 2 plus 2 Coupe per, personally, because I think that
0: is upscale enough, but yet still genuinely fun. You're 23, get a fun car. Carl and Andy, thank you both for writing in. And as Todd said at the top of the show, if you've got your own debate, please write to us, drop us an email. We love seeing those debate questions on email and then social media yeah. questions. There's kind of the light fun. Hey, what's on your mind? What's current in news? And, you know, what are you thinking? This is where we're mm-hmm. jumping to mm-hmm. next. So we, we do have to jump into this. And I want to start out with design questions. As you know, I love design questions of all types. Yes, and you do. Christopher R. writes to us and says, could we discuss the differences in design philosophies between Hyundai and Kia motor vehicles? And he said, sure, Paul can provide an insightful response, especially interesting considering Kia and Hyundai share their chassis. So Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. will admit, I could guess, I could have guessed, but what I did was I consulted my sources and wrote to somebody that I know who works there. And I can't say any more than that because they declined to be identified, which is totally fine. But like I said, a friend of mine, and he came back and said, well, it's a bit of a tough one to answer. And, and Christopher, interesting that you've noticed, because what his answer was here was, internally, they're still searching for this to define the exterior surface language. And I'm reading his answer mm, here. Hmm. He said that we'll express our new design direction dubbed sensuous sportiness. Okay, so think about okay. that. And he said one of the first concept cars that attempts to interpret that sensuous sportiness is the new Hyundai Le Fi Rouge that just debuted in Geneva this year. And he said it ushers mm. in this new era of Hyundai design globally under the direction of Luke Donkervolka. Mm. He's the executive VP of yeah. design. And Sang-Yup Lee, who also came from Chevy, he designed the sort of the redesigned Gen 5 Camaro. When the Camaro kind of came yeah. back, yeah. that's all sang Lee. He did the, the pen sketch for that car. He's the head of Hyundai styling and Luke's right-hand man. They're actually good friends and I think saying, yep, said, i got to get you over here to Hyundai because they're doing cool things. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, as for Kia, he's not too familiar, but they're going through a transition period as well. As identified and, and executed by the Kia Stinger, kind of you think, wait, besides the corporate grill, how is that design language the same as the Soul or the Optima or something like that? And I, yeah. I get that. But he said, all right, Christopher, and I find it fascinating that you have noted this and thought, are they undergoing some sort of transition? And apparently they are which is still interesting, but they do have this sensuous sportiness direction, very different design language than what I knew Cadillac a few years ago. And their, their whole philosophy was arc and line. So anything yeah, arc yeah. and line, you can see that executed like architecture in for their sure, design language. For sure. Yeah. So every company, of course, and sometimes I, I wrote to my friend here because I knew he would know something and have a little bit more insight there, That design philosophy is not something that's always shared because that's that's their business, you know. And, and I said, anything that is yeah, public yeah. knowledge or non-proprietary that I can share in the podcast with everyone. And he said, That's yeah, cool that you, did that. you can, just don't say who it is. And so, all right. But, uh, yeah, I just thought you'd like to know. Because usually that is something very closely hmm. held internally hmm. by car companies that, hey, this is this is going to be the one-up that will sway people from the BMW to the whatever. You know what I mean? And, and so they target, you know, they, what they think to be their... Their current target market, and then come up with a design direction for that. So, Christopher, thank mm. you for writing. Mm. I hope that answers. I thought it was fascinating. Bravo! And uh, that's interesting. You wrote in. I love it. Yeah, I, I like that. But I, I knew I had to consult this friend to get that insight. So, excellent, hmm. excellent, very question,
1: cool, Christopher. very cool. Uh, Otter Mike wrote in on Facebook and said, Is it wrong that he keeps a uh, battery-powered leaf blower in his trunk to remove uh, leaves and airborne debris that settle on his car while he's at work? People are looking at him strangely. He doesn't really mind that, but he's starting to wonder, Am I warping my kids' minds? I want to stop right there, Mike. Um, (laughs) My friend... You're you're you are warping your kids' minds. It has nothing to do with the leaf blower or the trunk of your car. Whatever special way you are screwing up your own kids, I hate to say it, but they will have something in their 30s where they just say, "My dad and fill in the blank." I'm I'm <laughs> dreading it with my son. You are warping your kids' minds in your own very special way. It has nothing to do with the leaf blower. Uh, you have a leaf blower in the trunk of your car to remove leaves. Where are you parking is my other question. Yeah, right. Uh, and do you need a car cover? That's my other thought. But I just I wanted to
0: let you know that, that sorry, the ship has sailed. Your kids' minds are warped. <laughs> oh, I love that. All right, what else here? Oh, uh, Jeff S. on Facebook said that he moved to his first German car, just BMW, after having Japanese oh, cars yeah, saw this. nearly his whole life. He said, I did my own maintenance on schedule previously, but now my BMW has no dipstick. It's got the digital indicator (laughs) on the instrument panel, right? And it says, it'll tell me when it needs an oil change, even if it's up to 10,000 miles. Do Mm -hmm. I trust this Mm -hmm. or do I just do it early because I can't handle this concept? Look, Jeff, it depends on, honestly, the kind of ownership experience you want. But when Todd Mm. and I talk about preventative maintenance sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean following what the manufacturers say. It means doing that oil change 5,000 miles in or 3,500 miles in, depending on the oil that you use. Usually if it's synthetic, I'll let mine run to 5,000 because synthetic can definitely take that. But when I had my first Cayman S, the owner's manual said 10,000 miles. And I thought, wait, wait, no, it said 20,000 as a matter of fact. Oil change intervals. Mm -hmm. And I went, what? Why, Why would I do that? I know they're saying that, but I'd rather have my oil change sooner, and so I did it every five, and I didn't wait for the car to tell me. I just, I wanted that ownership experience. I wanted to know it had fresh oil, and yeah. for is you know, I drove that car more, but, you know, sometimes if you drive a car less, like a, a special Porsche or something like that, and it doesn't get that kind of mileage even in a year, you want to at least change it every year. So, yes, yes. yes if you can't handle it, I say go ahead and change it, but of course... It costs you money. So you've mm-hmm. got to decide mm-hmm. where you're at with it. But if the manufacturer says, then the manufacturer says. But they also, there's a caveat to that. It's only using the recommended oil that they tell you. It doesn't mean, yeah. go yeah. ahead and switch oils to whatever you want. Maybe it's a cheaper brand or something like that. And then follow that. No, 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 no. You have to follow what they tell you if you're going to follow that 10,000 mile interval.
1: I'm going to present, I'm going to back that a little bit, but also present a little bit of a counterpoint. Uh, Jeff, I my feeling is these companies have done the R&D, and I agree with Paul's point that if you're using the oil they're using, keep also this in mind. You buy a BMW right now or a Mini, and the first, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's like the first 50,000 miles is all in. It's not just warranty. It's like they'll do it all. They'll do brakes. They'll do oil. If, if, it, if it wears out, mm-hmm. they do it for yeah, you. Right. Somebody with a major accounting degree has run those numbers. <laughs> if that was going to bankrupt them, they wouldn't do it. So they are go- they are confident that they can do 10,000-mile oil changes or so and the car will be okay that won't cause them a maintenance issue or a warranty issue inside that 50,000 miles. They've done all of that. I remember a guy that I knew bought his first BMW this is probably 10 years ago and he called the dealer about 7,000 miles in and said, do you need me to bring my car in? And the, and the person said, is there something wrong? And he said, no, but shouldn't I bring it in by now? And he said, the car will tell you, and the car will be right. So yeah, they've right. done a lot of R&D, so you certainly can trust it. However, if you aren't comfortable, it's your car, man. The worst thing you've done here is you've wasted some money on some extra oil, and you have peace of mind. Okay,
0: fine. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. How much money do you want to spend, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, comes yeah. Down and, the and what makes you
1: as an owner comfortable? And here I will also say this. You've never heard about somebody having a problem with their car because they maintained it too well. <laughs> yeah, you just changed your oil way too often, and now the car's broken. Never has happened. That's never happened. <laughs> right. So if you want to do more than they recommend, they, they 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 are planning. This is, unfortunately, most of the world now. They're planning for the lowest common denominator. Yes, right. So if you
0: want to do better than that, bravo. Right, right, right. What other questions do you have on here?
1: Uh, I have two real quick ones from Instagram, both of them related to the FRS. So I wanted to group them together. Uh, Dave Casement uh, wrote in and also Davey P23, not related, but th- th- both wrote in with FRS questions. Uh, Davy P said, how is the factory sound system on the FRS? My response to that is it is fine. It's You're not going to buy it and be like, wow, this sounds awesome. It's fine. It is a loud sports car with an average stereo. So there you go. Uh, Dave uh, Casement said, is the NC, which is the third gen, is the third gen MX-5 hardtop a livable car for year-round? I say yes. Or would a FRS be a better choice? I'm going to say that the FRS or 86 chassis is the better choice for one main reason. People don't realize how usable space-wise that car is. With With the back seat that can be used for small people and the fact that the back seat drops down to open up the trunk, it it is practically a station wagon compared to the to the Miata honestly honestly i mean we're still talking small cars here but you will be shocked at how much more cabin room there is i mean big guys can fit in the FRS that can't fit in the Miata and there is genuine storage space i think it's a better choice for those reasons if you fit in the in the Miata well and you don't need to haul a bunch of stuff and you never need to haul extra people the NC hardtop is a perfectly acceptable year-round daily why not
0: yeah no, i like that Ah, uh, there is a question over here on Instagram as well. Brian underscore D underscore Y says, "What is your favorite concept car that never made it into production?" Well, there's mm, many, you. many, 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 many. Uh, I'm actually going to take you all the way back to 1990 with the Subaru Chrono. You'll have to look this up. There was a designer. Uh, he's actually 79 years old. He's Italian. I don't know how much he's involved with doing concept cars anymore, but for a long time, he was a fixture on the automotive circuit, especially for concepts. His name's Franco Sbarro, S-B-A-R-R-O. And the car is the Chrono from 1990. It's red and it folds in half to get access to the M1 engine that is 500 horsepower. And the entire point of the car was zero to 60 runs. That's it. And it's got a stopwatch, (laughs) a genuine metal, real stopwatch in a sewn leather compartment that is sort of sitting right there (laughs) in the instrument panel and an M1 engine and it's 500 horsepower BMW engine and it's just goofy and weird and strange. It still looks like a spaceship. But when the car folds in half, you think, oh, how cool is that? And it's designed purely for one thing and that is production runs. It's 1,400 pounds. And yeah. unbelievable. It was 3.50 to 60, which nowadays is sort of like, eh, that's not bad. You know, there's but it, But cars. in 1990, that's shocking. Right. Yeah. But in 1990, it was astounding. And I, I always loved this car. I always thought he had the craziest concepts and the most free thinking. He also did the hubless wheel motorcycle from 1989 and actually made oh, it wow. work. And I thought, hmm. wow, hubless wheels and, you know, that's got to be a thing. Well... I love wheels. I love the design and what they do for a car. I don't enjoy the whole, the but mm-hmm. I, I mean, it is a particular look and it could be interesting. It works on motorcycles. I don't think it works quite as mm-hmm. successfully mm-hmm. on cars, but I thought, wow, the guy is really pushing it and he made it work. And anyway, he's, like I said, 79, hmm. he's in Italy somewhere and, and uh, doing something different now, but he just always had the craziest, coolest stuff.
1: You've mentioned this car before. I'll have to post a picture of it when we uh, have this podcast go out because it is it is nuts. It, just seeing the car folded in half, if nothing else, it's it just like, such what is such an impression going on there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really bizarre. Well done. I'm going to leave you with that one because that's excellent. <laughs> okay. What there, else? There were a cu- couple of tire questions also on IG. I want to I group those together as well. RD Mega and. Uh, Ovent uh, Ovent Brello wrote in about uh, winter tires, summer tires. We talk about this a lot. The the overarching thought here is we recommend the right tool for the job. That means winter tires in a world where things get below about 50 degrees, certainly below 40. Whether you're getting snow or not, we highly recommend the right uh, rubber tires there. And then, of course, summer tires. If you're going to drive hard, why not put some actual summer performance rubber on your car, because, this is what I always say, the all-season tire is kind of like a one-size-fits-all shirt. Technically, you are covered. So, I, look, the, I have, I'll, I'll be honest, full candor here, I have some <clears throat> performance, you can't see my air quotes, all-seasons on my wife's Cayenne. Right. Because we had performance tires on my wife's Cayenne, and we were done in 7,000 miles. That car's heavy, easy. and it blows through tires, and my wife likes to drive. I was going to say, so she likes to break hard. She,
0: she breaks yes, hard in all, the
1: corners. So performance, quote-unquote, all seasons it is. I, look, I, I understand there's lots of reasons to get all seasons. Clearly, I did in that equation. Uh, so I understand if you have a car that you feel like that. You've, uh, Ovent Brello wrote in and said, he's got a Corolla. Is it even worth getting uh, summer tires? I would say if you're going to drive hard you will you will be shocked at how much having a performance summer tires on your car helps you enjoy your car it is not I mean if you have to get tires anyway and you've asked a counter question, which you've said, "Will summer tires do okay in the rain?" Yes, they will. Now shop smart to find ones that don't hydroplane and have good wet braking. But they're out there. Mm-hmm. Don't assume that an all-season tire is going to outbreak a summer tire because, in a lot of cases, that's just not true. I'm talking about in the wet now. Now there are summer tires that are borderline death traps. The ones that come on the Lotus <laughs> from the stock from the factory are in that category. But if you're buying, I mean, like honestly, the uh, the Michelin. Uh, Super Sports that we talk about a lot. They have excellent wet weather handling, superb braking. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you, you can find good summer tires that will handle everything that summer will throw at them. And if, if you never get below about 50 degrees, you can run them all year round. So I recommend that. Uh, and RD Mega, his question was about winter tires on his truck. Mm. He drives a truck in the winter weather. He tries to keep salt off his Mazda Speed. And he says, wait a minute, should I have winter tires on my truck? Yes, you should. If that is your winter car, you should. I, I'm, you're giving me the impression here you have big truck tires on your truck. I will give you two quick stories. I was driving in one of my small and ridiculous cars. I believe it was the FRS. In the middle of winter, I was doing an airport run, and I went by on the freeway. There were tracks on the freeway, and off in the berm, buried to the door handles, in the ditch, in the snow, was a lifted pickup on the huge knobby tires. Oh, you're kidding me. Oh. I'm driving. I'm driving the FRS in the middle of the winter in the snow, and I'm fine. Why is he in the ditch? Because he's got big, uh, essentially non-winter but knobby tires. And yeah. I'm sure he thought I'll be fine. Meanwhile, we just had it's part of season three coming up. We just had the brand new JL Jeep Rubicon. Oh we just right. had it. We took it to Moab. It was awesome. It showed up from the factory with 33s on it. Big knobby 33s on it. You would think, I would think, you would think that that Rubicon, when it snows, is like, bring it. The one day, we happened to have it for, for about a week. The one day that I ha- happened to actually drive it to commute to Salt Lake, it snowed that morning. Right. I slid around more in that r- Wrangler than I had all winter in the Mini with winter tires on it. So on a
0: Wrangler, easy. It was, uh,
1: the braking was sliding, the turning was sliding, it just slid in the snow. So do not think that, well, I have truck tires. They'll be fine. What are those truck tires? Are they rated for winter weather? That would be my answer there. There's
0: a question over here from Kevin R., also on Facebook, and he's asking our thoughts on California putting digital license plates on Mm. cars with the GPS thing. Well, i got to say, Kevin, the GPS part isn't my favorite because of the tracking issue, but the digital plates, it's my understanding the cost is on you, the owner, to buy the plate and then what they're claiming is, hey, mm-hmm. well, it saves the state money because of the registration. You never have to keep putting the stickers one over the top of the other. But I, I was kind of opposed to it before I dug into it a little bit. And I thought, all right, if you can display, you know, a different background and kind of choose, like you do your phone lock screen hmm. or, hmm. Okay. you know, you can change it to when you park, especially on the street And you buy the parking pass, and then it populates your parking pass on the license tag or or in that space. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, that's cool. And, of course, the handicap sticker. But I think the idea that I like the best so far is the ability for me to cut off beautiful women on the freeway and display my phone number. So hopefully they would, you know. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) god. What what do you think?
1: because that tactic has always worked. Sorry, I cut you off. It's the old off. Seinfeld joke. On the other yeah.
0: hand, uh, could I take you to dinner? And yeah. what do you think?
1: <laughs> well, but but on the other end of the spectrum, you're headed that way that, that has been joked about, and I would really like, where your license plate should be your cell phone number. Yeah. So you can call somebody when they're an idiot and be like, would you turn off your blinker and please get off to the right?
0: Right. Or you could say, get no, off your that, phone. That, Wait, that. I'm on the phone. Darn it.
1: Hate it. Seriously. That yeah, exactly. That, I don't know how that would work. Wow, I didn't think you'd go there with
0: that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that there. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, we could send messages to each other that you don't. Uh, anyway, it, it's a deep hole, of course. More distracted driving. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you could run videos so you could have daisy chain cars and everybody's watching a YouTube video of, you know, something. Well, anyway, I, the best idea now is I'm like really setting a projector on your I'm windshield really, and projecting really onto really the horrified. back of a huge semi truck so you can watch movies while you're cruising down the road. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs>
1: I I need this to end. Could we call
0: that a podcast? Totally uh, totally safe driving is what we promote here on Everyday Driver. Guys, thank you so much for writing in. We really do appreciate all your questions. And, uh, yes, as Todd said, please keep asking. Really appreciate it and looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll.